Welcome to Haunted Happy Hour, a podcast dedicated to uncorking chilling conversations about the history, hauntings, and lore throughout our hometowns and across the Midwest. Thanks for joining us for our first season, The Dark Origins of the Quad Cities, which will delve into the rich historic backdrop centered around various criminal and outrageous events surrounding the evolution, foundation, and formative years of the Quad Cities area. We have a long road ahead of us this season, full of supernatural exploration that serves both believers and non-believers alike. So sit back, grab a cocktail, and let us introduce you to the history, mayhem, hauntings, and spirits of the dark origins of the Quad Cities. The Quad Cities, almost known as the Quint Cities, are nestled in the Iowa-Illinois border in the upper western region of Illinois and the bottom eastern portion of Iowa. In the area where the Mississippi flows east to west, you'll find the riverfront cities of Davenport, Bettendorf, Moline, East Moline, and Rock Island, which, depending on who you ask, together are known as the Quad Cities. These five cities make up the center of the Quad Cities metropolitan area. They are located about 140 miles west of Chicago and is the largest metropolitan area along the Mississippi River between Minneapolis, St. Paul, and St. Louis. Long before European settlers came to inhabit the Quad Cities, varying cultures of indigenous peoples found the junction of rivers in the area an appealing benefit. They quickly put to great use these local waterways and riverbanks for their settlements for over thousands of years. In the 1800s, the Quad Cities served as the home and principal trading place for the Sauk and Fox tribes. The Sauk, led by their chief Keokuk, settled in their main village named Sauknock which was located in what is now the Blackhawk State Historic Site in Rock Island, Illinois. The village was also known for being the birthplace of the Sox 19th century warrior Blackhawk. We'll highlight these two leaders in later episodes. But for now, let's just say they left the Quad Cities with a haunting past. By the 1840s, with the development of the Industrial Revolution and being captivated by the promises of jobs, Immigrants began to flood the area, coming from many different European communities, including Germany, Sweden, and Belgium. During this time, and especially after the Civil War, the area saw an unfortunate increase in orphans. So many, in fact, that a woman by the name of Sarah Annie Turner Wittenmeyer took notice of the many children needing places to live in the area but her efforts would later leave a chilling past for some orphans, one that we'll highlight in a later episode. As the Quad Cities began growing in the 1800s, so did one particular district in Davenport, Iowa, the Bucktown District. This historic area on the eastern end of downtown Davenport, along the Mississippi River, which was better known to many at the time as the Red Light District, transformed Davenport's downtown into a place with many brothels, bars, burlesque theaters and dance halls. As written in his book, Murder and Mayhem in Scott County, John Brasser Jr. perfectly captures the essence of Davenport during this period by stating, Underneath the shiny veneer of progress and prosperity, 
darkness lurked. Grim desires swam just underneath the surface of Scott County's successful facade. Even the electric lights of the 20th century couldn't dispel the darkness. Organized crime and prostitution thrived in places like Davenport's notorious Bucktown area. Hidden in homes and businesses, behind closed doors and in dim corners, even fouler things thrived. Once called the wickedest city in America, Davenport's seedy past owes its reputation to the Bucktown area. In the 19th century, this area was settled by German-Americans who filled Bucktown with both high- and low-brow culture. In his book, A Brief History of Bucktown, Davenport's infamous district transformed author, Jonathan Turner, states that 130 years ago, the area was just a concentration of saloons, theaters, and brothels. It was home to an estimated 150 bars and about 40 brothels. Turner further details a woman's story where she shares an account of another woman from 1903 Chicago who was complaining about a rough Iowa theater in the heart of Bucktown on East 2nd Street. Anita Ray was her name, and she called Davenport a little hell and the toughest place in America. She said, Chicago is a paradise when compared to the Iowa town. If it's true that God has forsaken Chicago, then he's never even visited Davenport, Iowa. To one who experienced what I did in that Iowa city, there can be little doubt that religion and its divine hand has never touched Davenport. For a town of that size, there is more vice than in any other city in the country. This bustling, urban, seedy environment full of gangsters, thieves, and darkness around every corner is what earned Davenport the title of the wickedest city in America. Naturally, in an area with this kind of history, it isn't too difficult to see why one might expect that the past would want to make itself known. These troubled souls and tormented spirits that left behind a litany of traumatic events still roam the streets. These past inhabitants, who once called these amazing cities along the river home, now share it with the living that reside and work these busy river towns. Due to the wild and popular nightlife the Quad Cities provided, Many stories have been unearthed of spirits that still want to continue their brazen insolence of the past. With that said, the story of Davenport's Hotel Blackhawk comes to mind. The Blackhawk, now an award-winning and self-proclaimed historic luxury hotel, has earned the impressive reputation of being one of the best places to stay in Iowa. The only thing is, not every stay is full of peace and quiet. On February 16, 1915, initial construction of the first seven floors and 225 rooms of the high-end new fireproof Hotel Blackhawk were completed. In the 1920s, the remaining stories, 8 through 11, were added, giving the hotel 400 total rooms. During its long history, the Hotel Blackhawk has hosted many prominent guests, from movie stars to politicians, including actor Cary Grant, writer Carl Sandburg, Presidents Barack Obama, Herbert Hoover, Richard Nixon, and boxer Jack Dempsey, just to name a few. However, not every guest seen at the hotel today is still living. 
Throughout the years, entities have been known to visit the hotel, perhaps making it their home in the afterlife. Sometimes, those with a strong attachment to a specific place during their lifetime choose to stick around, reliving moments or specific events that took place there. It all comes back to the history that was left behind. That history leaves an impression. Building renovations are also known to have the ability to act as environmental triggers that can draw back spirits who once loved the original structure. There are said to be many manifestations lurking around the corners of this once grand hotel. A pleasant female entity dressed in a red or blue evening gown has been seen floating contently down the halls of the hotel, perhaps on her way down to the grand ballroom for an evening of dining, dancing, and enjoying great music. Another unknown entity is known to play the piano in the ballroom when no other living person is in sight. In 1986, Cary Grant was seen at the Blackhawk. He was at the nearby Adler Theater, preparing for his performance in A Conversation with Cary Grant, when he fell ill and went back to his room at the hotel. Doctors arrived and transported the actor to St. Luke's Hospital, now Genesis East. Just a few short hours later, the legendary actor was pronounced dead of a cerebral hemorrhage on November 29, 1986. The list of paranormal experiences here at the hotel is a long one. Guests have reported feeling chills, hearing unexplained noises, and seeing unknown figures, including seeing the apparition of an elderly, well-dressed man. Witnesses say he's simply going about his business in the hotel and some go on to say that it's the spirit of Cary Grant. This spirit seems to favor room 907. Guests who stay in the room feel his friendly presence. Workers have felt his presence intently watching them as they work in the room. It's said that paranormal investigators like to rent room 907 in the hopes of communicating with the spirit of Cary Grant. Those who've encountered this spirit say he's shy about getting his picture taken. Many have tried, and one such account references a paranormal investigator that was ready to get the shot. She pointed her camera in the direction of where she thought he was standing and snapped a few shots. A few seconds passed, and then suddenly the camera started malfunctioning. The film in the camera simply kept rewinding, ruining any photos taken. Done almost as a deliberate reaction by the spirit to continue keeping his identity a secret. If it was the spirit of Mr. Grant, it sounds like even in death, he isn't a fan of paparazzi. As author Neil Gaiman wrote, Sometimes you'll forget precisely what happened, but if a story touches you, it will stay with you, haunting the places in your mind that you rarely ever visit. Thanks for joining us on the Haunted Happy Hour podcast, the podcast where we uncork chilling conversations about the history and hauntings throughout our hometowns and across the Midwest. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 1, where we cover some of the local history of the Quad Cities that'll set the stage 
for all the haunting and paranormal talk that will fill our later episodes. I'm your host, Lily, and with me is my co-host, Vanessa. So before we kick off the discussion segment of the podcast, let's introduce today's uncorked drink. So Vanessa, what cocktail did you find to kick off our first episode? Today, we're having a drink called Felony. One ingredient is Cody Road Rye from the Mississippi River Distilling Company right here in LeClaire, Iowa. Another interesting ingredient for this drink is Felony Red Wine from Wide River Winery, also located in LeClaire, Iowa. It's a bold drink perfect for a night when you want to be daring and try something new. The reason why I chose this specific drink was for one, the name, but also because this reminds me of the QC's inception. I feel like the area was sowing its wild oats, so to speak. Bold and surprising stories that we dug up have really opened your eyes to the place we call home. This drink has a wild name for such a wild past, just as the drink's name suggests. So, Lily, what are your thoughts about this episode's drink feature? Okay, so first, let me just say, I'm not a really big whiskey drinker, and I'm pretty sure you're not either which is why I was actually pretty excited about this drink because I never would have thought of putting wine and some kind of whiskey together. I mean, just thinking of it in terms of that to me kind of already is a little bit scary, quite honestly, just thinking, oh my gosh, is it is it going to burn? Is it going to be really alcohol heavy? But surprisingly, it actually wasn't. It was really smooth. And, you know, as you were talking about it, I've been taking sips here and there. It's really good. Nothing like I would have actually imagined just thinking about it, you know, just hearing what the ingredients were. So yeah, this was an awesome, awesome drink. And to pretty much just go off of that, I think that this drink was the perfect choice for our first episode because it helps us pretty much set the stage, you know, with all that rough and tumble sort of vibe that the Quad Cities was essentially founded on. We kind of wanted to just illustrate what the Quad Cities area used to be and kind of get a little bit into that initial history, which is now going to lead into all of those events that came about. And just like how we talked about in the monologue earlier, that it's all about the history And it all comes back to the history that was left behind. The history is what leaves an impression. And just hearing all of these stories and getting an understanding of what actually occurred and why certain places are considered to be haunted, what happened there. And I think for me, that's the most interesting part. And I think for you as well, honestly, because the history is where you get all of that information and you understand Just those reasons for maybe encountering some sort of paranormal manifestation in certain locations. Like, for example, if there are some kind of traumatic events that happened, it's said that, you know, the energy from the experience is just released into the atmosphere, causing it to imprint or create almost kind of like a recording of the event and just replay it over and over again, which is actually called a residual haunting. But there's a lot of different reasons why a spirit may still be tied to a specific location. I mean, they could have, like I mentioned before, just died as a result of a traumatic event, uh, maybe due to some sort of unfinished business, Uh, either maybe they can't 
understand that they're actually passed on or already dead. Um, and also it's been said that, you know, maybe if the spirits had some sort of injustice done to them, you know, they, they also can't really accept that piece of it and just just leave, just pass on to, to the other world. Mm -hmm. And other interesting explanations also um, drawing on to environmental factors um, like electromagnetic fields, infrasound and water is a biggie. We live by a large body of water. So that conducts a lot of energy. So that really ties in with the stories that we just talked about because Davenport is right next to the Mississippi. Other sources may include granite, which is a stone that retains energy as well. And they can also be attracted to negative emotions or negative feelings, just like you said. So this all ties into our stories. Um, Black Hawk Hotel, you know, when they redid the building, as um, we talked about. So there's a lot of energies around the Quad Cities because of the water, you know, that we are near. Right. And I think that's exactly it. Like a lot of the stories that we grew up hearing, you know, we grew up here in the area on the Illinois side. And it's an exciting thing to go back and really dig more into these stories that we heard when we were younger. We would just hear the basics like, hey, this place is haunted or have you ever been to the Octagon House in Davenport? Or have you ever been to Quarters One in Rock Island? And both of these are actually places that we'll cover in later episodes. But what I think is going to be really interesting about this whole entire process is talking about the experiences that you and I have had at these different places. Do you remember when the local radio station around here used to put out that list of haunted oh, places? Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And we were really excited, right? Yeah. Like, I, re I really remember that. This was like, you know, I think you were in college. I was out of college. And so this was our big to do. Um, it was our big excursion, mainly because it was free. <laughs> this was like novice ghost hunting. So we thought we would print out our sheet. We'd get everybody in the car, somehow try to map out these locations because this was pre Google Maps, mind you. Right. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, this was a lot of fun. I remember, you know, we would at night specifically, we'd start and we'd hit up all these locations and we thought we were big time ghost hunters um, <laughs> just because this local radio station had, you know, made out this list and we were all gung ho to go. Well, because that's what you did. You know, I mean, that I remember we waited every year for that day. Like, oh, my yeah. gosh, the list is yep. coming out. <laughs> Even our friends, though, they knew. They knew that they were they had to prepare, set some time aside, and we were going to hit up a lot of locations in one night. And if we didn't, um, next day, we had to go do that, right? And so I think just really quick. So that's really for nobody, for, for people that don't know what this list was, it was just a list of the haunted places, I guess, that were here in and around the Quad Cities. And everybody who listened to this radio station would honestly be super about it and just go out to each one of these different spots. And eventually, you know, probably in the days mm -hmm. leading up to Halloween, call into the to the station yeah. and tell them their right. experiences, what happened. Right. Yep. And, you know, I thought that was exciting. But what really appealed to me was the actual stories mm -hmm. that went along with each one of these places. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a lot of different places around here, though, that many people don't know about Mm -hmm. that experience quite a bit of activity. Mm -hmm. And I know I didn't know until just a few years ago when I really started reading a lot more and doing my own types of research and going on the various paranormal tours that we've been on. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to be talking about those experiences, the tours that we have had with friends as well. Um, But we will dive into those in later episodes. But it's just exciting for us to be able to share this. Um, I don't know. It just it's very, you know, like an emotional, fun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, moments to share. Right. And I think one of my favorite all time places probably on my top haunted list, if, if I were to make a list, would be Quarters One in Rock Island. And that's one that, like I mentioned before, we're going to have a really great episode on. And one that I think you don't want to miss because it has a really great story. And you understand the reasons why certain things are continuing to happen in that location. Mm-hmm. I extremely recommend that tour for all of you out there that if you just happen to see it on Facebook, I suggest sign up because you will or someone in your group will experience something. That's actually what happened to us and to the people that were in our group. Um, Not only did we experience Mm -hmm. something, but um, that also hit home with a couple people in our group as well to the point where the person, one of the people in our group cannot do this anymore. Right. So we'll we'll dive into that further. But it's just kind of a little little uh, uh, tidbit there. And I mean, just to go off of that a little bit, you know, I'll just say we can really, you know, obviously attest to the happenings there. And when you do listen to that episode, you'll understand why you can never forget those specific experiences that happened there. It'll be a really interesting one, even for the non-believers out there, though. If nothing else, the story and the history of the location itself are just really fascinating. And I think also, too, though, just like you said, like you touched on for the Mm non-believers, the fact that you live in an area that is so rich in history, that alone, you know, draws people in. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, that are just like, oh, ghosts, this, ghosts that I don't believe, but... You know, history is still there. You know, why not learn more about the places that, you know, you live, where you hang out, where you, you know, just walk around. Right. But I mean, if you're anything like Vanessa or myself, just being there in that sort of atmosphere, it definitely changes you in some way. So, you know, we can just we can just leave it at that. And like we've been kind of touching on, we have so many great episodes planned for this season stories of places that I'm sure not many people are aware of or that maybe you've heard or just don't know the full story. And I think that's what's great. This is our hometown. And because of that, I feel really very compelled to find out as much as I can about the history of where I grew up. And I feel like that's that's natural. A lot of people do feel that way especially when you do grow up being as fascinated with the paranormal as we were and starting at pretty much a young age to learn as much as we could 
and open ourselves up to all of those experiences. Right. And I think that's a huge part of people in general, just the wanting to know why, the how. Um, And through us delivering this into the stories and bringing them to you is what keeps us wanting to know more. So until then, thanks for tuning in. We couldn't do this without you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Haunted Happy Hour podcast. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Catch us next time for another chillingly uncorked conversation right here on Haunted Happy Hour podcast. <laughs>